Season 3, Episode 2, Idauza Ness, Pronunciation Mastery. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now, your host, Chris Broholm. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast. This is the second episode of the third season. And I'm so happy that so many of you decided to join me on the premiere of the third season where I was talking to Heike Yamamoto. If you haven't listened to that episode already, I suggest you go back and listen to it as, as I had a blast doing that one. And a lot of people have watched it or listened to it as uh, the podcast is now available on YouTube and on uh, the usual audio route. So iTunes, you can go on the website afpodcast.com. You can go on Stitcher. I mean, it's everywhere. If there's a podcast aggregation service, it's the actual Fluency Podcast will be on there. So I'm really happy that so many of you guys tuned in again. And I'm sorry for the delay once again. But uh, now we're back and in full swing. And I've already recorded a few interesting interviews. And I've already listed a long list of amazing guests for this season. So I'm looking forward to that. But before that, I just want to introduce today's guest, which is Idauza Ness from Mimic Method. And he joins us now. And uh, Idauza, why don't you give the listeners a little introduction as to how you got started in language learning? Um, well, the first language I learned was Spanish. I went to Mexico when I was 16 for, um, did some kind of university program with my dad's a university professor. So I got to go over free. And uh, yeah, and while I was there, you know, I had high school Spanish, but was just as <clears throat> not serious about it as anybody else. And then I got there, got really into, you know, Mexican culture. Uh, I really like, that was my first time traveling on my own really. And uh, so, and then I learned Spanish kind of quicker than people around me. And, uh, and then that was the first time I, I kind of learned the language and got really into it. I went back to Mexico when I was 17. Um, so yeah, I spoke, I spoke Spanish by the time I graduated high school. And when I got to university, um, I decided, well, you know, since I'm already kind of good at Spanish, I might as well do a new language. So I decided on uh, Mandarin Chinese. And uh, yeah, and then now I speak, and then now I speak uh, Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and uh, German. Cool. And was that a university offering, the Mandarin, or was that just a... Yeah, it's one of those intense Mandarin courses you go like, you know, almost every day. And then I went to, uh, I studied abroad in Shanghai and Beijing um, in total for almost a year. And uh, same, same kind of story there. I, uh, I was able to um, pick up the language faster than my, my peers. And it was at that time I started to kind of formulate a philosophy around why that was, what I was doing differently. One of the core things I noticed at the very beginning was Spanish is that if you actually make the effort to try to sound like the people, um, not only do, you know, not only do people kind of relate to you a bit more when you, when you do the accent better, but the actual acquisition of the language became faster because you're able to kind of connect and hear the words easier and easier and stuff. So that's what that happened. Then when I got the Chinese, the whole accent, the whole idea of accent and pronunciation became even more clear since you have, it's a tonal language. And I invested a lot of energy and time at the very beginning getting the uh, tones correct, whereas my classmates um, either didn't care that much or didn't quite get it at first. And then that once again carried over and I was able to learn Mandarin much faster as a result. 
And then, uh, yeah, and then soon after that, uh, after I graduated, I went to Brazil and then learned Portuguese on my own, just kind of in the streets and applied my own kind of philosophy again. And that it was in Brazil that I came up with, uh, with my own like concrete philosophy about how one should go about learning a language. Cool. And we'll get into uh, the whole pronunciation uh, question in a minute, because I know that's sure. a controversial topic in, or maybe not controversial, that's probably taking it too far, but <laughs> people at least have very split opinions. On it. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Learn to say it right or die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, first, I just wanted to, uh, to talk about the, uh, I would say, the famous video on the internet called uh, Skype Me Maybe which is uh, where I first saw you. Um, can you uh, describe, you know, the, the process of, uh, of being part of that? And if, has that done anything for you in, in terms of, you know, people getting to know you or reaching out? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, one thing it does is I still get a steady traffic of, of Skype requests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, Benny, uh, you know, it was organized by Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months and he's, he's, uh, he's got his stuff together pretty good. So, he had like a whole process. He emailed me and it was like, you know, if you choose a language, these are the ones available. And I was like, I'll do this and this. Come back with a lyric. I have a musical background, so it wasn't really hard for me to just come up. I was, I was actually in Brazil again at the time, and I was actually at my office at like late at night. I was like, all right, fine. And just recorded it really quick, sent it in. A couple of weeks later, we had this epic video. I was like, man, that was really well done. Yeah. So, yeah and as far as as far as my input into it, it wasn't. It wasn't that much, but uh, Benny did all. Benny and whoever his team was did all the work. Right. Yeah, it's a great video, and it's uh, I, I love it. I mean, I'm I'm still listening to it, like after <laughs> 50 times or something. <laughs> yeah. So good. I mean, uh, maybe one criticism is there's a little bit too much Benny at some points, but I guess he couldn't find enough people who <laughs> right, were actually he did all the work. So he did, he deserves all the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, huge yeah. credit to him for you know uniting that many people in one video. So that's yeah. good fun, and I guess in a way it's sort of a um, it's a good good uh, advertisement for multilingualism in general so yeah that, that's pretty cool so mm -hmm. so getting into the actual the learning process um well let's just jump into pronunciation because that's um that's obviously your main focus and something that i personally didn't think was that important until very recently because when you start learning a language my first logical instinct was well, why is it? Why don't? Why do I need? You know, a better than good enough pronunciation, um, and maybe you'd like to answer that question. You know, because in in my mind, I'd be like, okay, as long as I could be understood, then that would be okay. But I mean, recently I changed my mind. But maybe you want to answer that question first. Why is it important Gosh. to to really focus on the pronunciation, and why you know why not just stop at I'm good enough? You know, you sound like a foreigner, but mm, it's okay. Sure. I mean, it's a couple, there's a couple of things there. Uh, um, first is really basic uh, understanding what pronunciation is. Pronunciation is, is um, so if, if, if you say one thing and the native speaker says uh, the same word, but differently, what, what's going on is you're, you're making different sounds, right? So pronunciation is about what sounds do you make? And if you take a step backwards and think, what is what we're doing right now? What is language communication? We're just making a bunch of sounds with our mouths, smacking our lips and tongues together, and then hearing them with our ears, right? It's true. So yeah. at the at the physical core, what we're doing is pronunciation. And if I if the word was apple, but I pronounced it apple, then you might not understand me, right? right? And like maybe if you're used to a whole culture of people saying apple, you you can adjust your ear, and now you have a wider interpretation of 
that word or that concept. But in general, the core of it is I'm making sounds, you're making sounds. If we don't agree on what those sounds are, then the whole goal of what we're doing of language learning is lost. So that's where I start where it's um, pronunciation is, is, uh, is it's, not so much, it's not so much about perfecting your accent, though that's kind of the ideal. Uh, it's, it's about getting the core sounds. And the reason why I found that affects the way that someone learns or the speed or the, the degree to which someone learns a language is because if you've had the problem of you know, knowing how to read a bunch of words, but when you hear someone speaking very fast and you can't understand them or recognize those words, that's fundamentally a problem of pronunciation because once again, he's hearing those words differently than you are. Secondly, uh, if, you're, um, if you're kind of doing all these kind of grammar calculations in your head and you're kind of doing this kind of Frankenstein approach to learning it, instead of having it naturally flow out of you the way it does in your first language, once again, it's because the core foundation of the sound might not be in order. So that's what we start for. That's what I strive for. It's not so much, uh, though I like to strive for being able to be like indiscernible in my accent. That's really hard to achieve. But if you get to, when you say, but is that good enough? Uh, there certainly is a good enough where you can lock into every sound, get it like 90% of the way there. And you can actually achieve that very quickly if you do the right approach. And I think the reason why most people don't take it, take pronunciation seriously at first is because it seems too kind of convoluted of a subject and too difficult to get into. So that was my goal of when I started my company was how do I make this more accessible to people? Um, but then, yeah, once you're at that good enough and, you know, you hear someone with a slight accent in language, but they can really connect with it, then you know, that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm not like an accent Nazi, and I'm like, you, you don't sound exactly like an American. Because at the end of the day, even me as an American, I'm one of a thousand different accents of English, right? So who's to say that mine is better than anyone else's or why you should, why yours should be the same? But, uh, you know, you have, a, you, have a, you, you have a different pronunciation than me, but I understand you 100%. You can, if I said a new word, you'd be able to pick it up very easily because you can lock in and you don't have to see it written down. But... Um, but yeah, you know, and like uh, you have your own shade of accent, and that's and that's good. We don't, you don't, I don't need you to sound just like me, yeah. Right, and it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting point because I mean, if you go to something like the north of England, then people have accents there that are. I mean, if an American went there, and never had never been exposed to that accent before, it might actually be impossible to understand what the person was saying. You know, the, the, sure. the Scouse accent, or you know, the the northern England is it's really hard. I mean, even for me, it was been pretty exposed to that accent over the years sometimes i'm like what, what did he just say you know so that's a funny or probably important fact to consider when you're learning an accent of a foreign language where that's probably also the case if you go to italy you know there are tons of different accents all around the, the country so even the idea of a correct accent seems a little bit like a, a fairy yeah, tale you, in a way and you bring up a good point so I, I i when i think about language like i always tell people don't learn a language like learning people, right? And um, like, cause I mean, um, I can learn, I can learn the English language and like read books on it and, and be a scholar of the English language or, but I mean, or a better example would be Portuguese, right? I can be a scholar of the Portuguese language, but why am I doing it? Why am I taking away time from other activities I could be doing to do this? It's because I want to talk to people from Portugal or from Brazil. Like at the end of the day, I'm a, I, that's, what I'm, that's what we're all here for, right? Just to talk right. to people. And for English, we all, that's the thing, we get so caught up in these names, like this is the English language. But, you know, what people are speaking in Northern England, it's called the same thing that I speak, but I can't understand them. 
Therefore, like, uh, what's uh, what's the point? I can go up there and be like, no, you're not speaking proper, and like, I'll oh, get out of here, mate. You know, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> so I went there and I focused on learning the people of Northern England and then trying to mimic their pronunciation. Then they'll bring me in, like, oh, he's one of us, and like, you know, and then. I can come in there and, you know, and then once again, fulfill my ultimate goal, which is to make more friends, connect with people deeper uh, through these random sounds we're making by smacking our lips together. Right. And it would be quite boring if we all had the same standard American English accent. Because then, I mean, when you went to other places, they'd be like, hmm, that you'd miss that kind of novelty effect of, of, yeah, of flavor. I mean, I love accents uh, in, in languages yeah. because it shows you that, they're from somewhere, you know, mysterious in a way until you learn where they're from. Uh, in Denmark, you know, we have a tiny country, uh, five, six million people. And there are so different accents that people have trouble understanding each other on such a small yeah. landmass. So that's really amazing when you meet people like that. You're like, wow, it's like you, you, you truly are from a different part of even this small country. And then if you meet someone out in the world speaking with a let's say, different English accent, you're like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's really cool. Where are you from? And, um, and you know, that would be lost if we all spoke the same accent. So that would be kind of boring. For sure. I mean, that, that hits close to home for me because I'm personally, I grew up in the U.S. and would be considered having a standard kind of a general American accent, as they call it. But uh, my mom is from Nigeria, which is an uh, ex-British colony. So everyone, there um, speak, everyone educated there speaks English, but they have a, they have a, like a Nigerian accent and they even have another way of speaking called Pigeon English. And uh, you know, like, I thought like this, I don't go talk to you about this thing, and then that kind of thing. And like, so growing up, my mom and my uncles and my friends, parents, and uh, I grew up around that. And I actually like love hearing that English. Like whenever I hear it, it's, like, it just makes me happy. And uh, so I always get kind of, uh, I always get kind of uh, defensive whenever someone's like, oh, that's not proper English, or anyone kind of gets really, you know, bougie about accents and stuff. It's like, man, at the end of the day, you're telling me that we need to get rid of this. That's like the funnest thing of my life. <laughs> at right. the end of the day, it's all about fun. So forget, stop being so rigid and uptight. It's about having fun. And that's what pronunciation is for me. Is like, you know, if, I, if I'm in a room full of Nigerians and they're, and they're having this conversation, uh, I want to I connect with them. I want to join in. And that means I got to sound like them, you know? So, <laughs> It's the same experience when I'm in Brazil or in Germany or whatever. You just got to sound like people in Bill and you can, you can connect with them more. Right. And, and how did you come up with the, the technical aspects of, of the mimic uh, method? Because one thing is have the idea that pronunciation is important, but how do you translate that into something that you can actually give to people and say, here, use this and you'll be better or you'll improve this? Or how do you go uh, sure. through that process? Sure. So like I said, I, I think the reason why a lot of people are like oh you don't have to worry about pronunciation it's because they don't have a solution and they don't want to discourage people and be like oh well, it's impossible if you're not already good at it it's impossible and uh so that's something i thought about for a while i had a i had a knack for it um from an early age and then when i got to brazil i started learning um brazilian music uh, particularly like different instruments percussive instruments and what happened was uh I'm, I'm, i played i played violin my whole life i played other instruments and I generally consider myself like decent at music. But when I got to these Brazilian different contexts, my, my ear couldn't process some of the nuances, some of the details of the uh, rhythms. And it was super frustrating to me. I was like, oh, why, why can't I get this? And uh, so one day I just sat down and I just grinded out and I just analyzed every single aspect of all these, uh, of all these uh, percussion beats I was doing in this group I was part of. And then through that process, I came up with like a technique for myself to 
learn these rhythms. And then uh, I was able to learn it like very quickly once I got super analytical about it. And then, uh, yeah, so I did that. I played with this drum band and we did like shows and stuff. And then one day I was just kind of like coming home from a practice on the bus, kind of drum something out. And I just had this kind of epiphany, like, oh my God, I could apply that exact same technique to learning how to pronounce phrases because at the end of the day, the same way I'm hitting this drum with a stick is the same way I'm hitting like the top of my mouth and my tongue. It's just about coordination and coordinating it with sound. So I, I went home and like basically adapted that same kind of method I did for the percussion to like a Portuguese song and to an English song. And I kind of rushed out into the street and started grabbing random Brazilians and random foreigners and like started testing it out on them. I, I, I was testing out this technique and it worked. And basically uh, within like a few minutes, I was able to like, you know, teach Brazilians with no English experience how to pronounce a phrase with like a near perfect English accent. And then likewise, random foreigners to like say his Portuguese sounds and port, uh, his Portuguese phrases with a near perfect accent. And so, yeah, I, I realized that you can control the variables and break it down. And then soon after that, I figured out a way to kind of put the experience online. And then, uh, yeah, and that's, that's how I went from there. The rest is history. <laughs> that's is history. And um, speaking of music, uh, apart from being used in your method as well, it, that is a great tool to improve uh, pronunciation, isn't it, in, in practical terms? And, and at least that's what everyone seems to be saying. But uh, can you maybe explain why it is that music is so helpful in pronunciation? Sure. It's basically, um, basically two reasons. Um, the, uh, and this has been researched when you put a, um, if I say something to you, like, uh, Hey, what time do you want to do this Skype interview? Right. There's a certain rhythm to that, but it's not being emphasized in normal speech. But if I put like a beat to it, I'm like, Hey, when do you want to go do this interview? You know, then, uh, what happens is the structure of the musical beat kind of, Puts things more clearly in your, your perception of sounds, so that's something they've said. Secondly, and most importantly, pronunciation is a physical skill. It's a motor movement. If you imagine trying to learn like salsa for the first time, or trying to learn how to uh, you know ride a bike or something, you don't do it right the first time, right? You can only do it through lots of repetition of the right movement. And in in most scenarios, repeating something over and over again is super boring. But music is by definition repetition. And it's the only context where us humans where repetition is not just not boring, but like extremely fun and engaging. So if I wanted to just pronounce that phrase, when's our Skype interview? Uh, and I just said, say this over and over again, you'd fall asleep. But if I put like some dubstep music to it <laughs> and then a light on it, be like, boom, when's the right energy tonight? And then you can do it like a thousand times and never get bored. And then the muscle in your tongue, lips and throat are going to strengthen and then get that muscle memory needed to speak those sounds in normal conversation without thinking about it. Right. And, and a bit of a technical question. Uh, you speak uh, Mandarin Chinese. And I, is it true that when they sing in Mandarin, they, the tones are not as in the spoken? Or are there tones in singing Mandarin? And if so, how does, uh, how does Mandarin songs help you to get a better grasp of the tones? Yeah, it's a good question for um, whenever we do musical uh, um, things. So what we started doing recently with our courses is we, we use music and songs, but we also songify normal phrases. So they okay. can actually take a beat and like the way they do on those YouTube videos and like put it to a beat for you. Uh, we do that a lot for Mandarin because you're correct. Um, Mandarin is a tonal language, which means the actual pitch of your voice influences the meaning. 
and it's important for you to get really nuanced to pitch hearing. So if I put a phrase to a melody, then the pitches by definition become distorted. So when we use songs, we almost always use rap. Uh, and then only the type of rap songs where the artist is staying more or less true to the tonal pronunciation. But uh, yeah, it's incorrect. You won't learn tones from learning uh, Mandarin melodic songs. Right. Yeah, I imagine that would be a, a hard thing to do, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. if not impossible. Um, one thing about pronunciation that I that I found interesting was um, the uh, Michael, the guy behind Hyperpolyglot, uh, no, not Hyperpolyglot, Hyperglot, the movie, um, in Berlin during a talk, he said something about how actors uh, learn how to you know use diction and really control their voice. And he said one of the really good things about when you're in a beginner stage would be to exaggerate the pronunciation of the native speaker. So you mimic them, but in a sort of exaggerated way. And as you start to to get better at it, you, of course, tone it down. But you can't really under underperform it and then tone it up. Uh, I don't know what you think about something like exaggeration. If that's oh, for sure. That's, cool. that's core to a lot of our techniques. I, I always tell people the, uh, you want to start off exaggerated and uh, always and once again, you just always, you, I think people need to stop thinking about language as like the separate category of things. Like I said, you're just smacking your jaw and lips together. It's a physical movement. And once again, if you, if you, anyone who's ever learned like a new physical skill in adulthood, uh, a dance, a martial art, you notice that the, when you first learn it, you exaggerate all the, all the parts of the, of the, of the movement. And then through, after a while, you start to tone it down, as you said, where, uh, you, you figure out what the core kind of movements are and how to do it with the minimal amount of energy. So if I'm speaking like English, and I'm trying to learn an er sound, I'm like car, and then, you know, uh, and I do that enough times so my muscles and my tongue get comfortable, eventually I can say car, and then I can do just the minimal amount needed for the person to hear their R sound and then move on. So, but yeah, you can't do the opposite way. You can't do bad and then tone it up. It has to be over you know hyperclock it as they call it and then kind of gracefully fall back down right because I, i i think when i started learning russian i was a little bit maybe timid is the right word you know i was a little bit uh nervous to just really over exaggerate the the russian pronunciation and some of them are really you know uh, unique and, and and different from what i'm used to but i i imagine if i had to learn it again and if i start out exaggerating instead I, I probably would have a better pronunciation today because, you, like you say, you can always tone it down. But for me now, sure. to relearn it is, is really difficult. Uh, I guess relearning anything is really difficult. So, Yeah, and you brought up a point, too, I wanted to address, which was uh, you said you felt uh, strange kind of exaggerating the sounds. And uh, I, I tell people about that. Like, So when I said I was 16, I learned Spanish. That's when I, that's when I first realized that exaggerating pronunciation or really trying to sound like the native has an as a difference because your classmates are all kind of like you know not really engaged like yo quiero mas tacos and uh, you're like no yo quiero mas tacos you know and and uh and so they wouldn't care and then as a result they never really got into it and i thought about that while like why is it such a big deal for someone to just say yo quiero mas tacos and not and then drop their american way of speaking or whatever their native thing is and i realized if you think about it Uh, after your appearance, um, the way you sound is the number 
one way people judge instantly who you are and be like, oh, he's, he sounds like he's uneducated or he sounds like he's manly or not manly, all that kind of stuff. So we have a certain identity we associate to the way we sound. And then uh, we build that up our whole lives and then we're adults and then we want to learn a new language. And then all of a sudden we have to sound like a Chinese person. Like <laughs> we have to just all of a sudden imagine ourselves as a Chinese person. And a lot of people are like really resistant to do that. So instead of being like, hey, you they'll, they'll be like, and and they and the thing is you have two things you have to realize that a like you might feel like you sound stupid to your classmates but to the one billion chinese people if you <laughs> if you sound that way you just sound normal and whatever your normal is is different from other people's normal you know like i was teaching somebody the other day in portuguese they have a sound uh, and they say there's a there's a the museum of modern of achimah there and it would be and like and to an American, that sounds like, you know, like someone with, uh, with mental issues. And they're like, <laughs> but like to them, it's just a normal sound. And yeah. people giggle when you do it, but it's like, man, to them, it's just like, why are you laughing? This is the name of our museum. <laughs> so everyone has their own thing. You just got to get, people laugh at English sounds all the time, like the TH and the R, I think it's stupid, but you know, it's normal to us. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I love, I mean, this is just a subset of learning a language, but it's such a, a, a wonderful one. And yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to get a little back to is one of the first things you said was that improving your pronunciation or I guess focusing on it and not just like not caring like you say most people do. Uh, focusing on it brings a lot of benefits. And one of them you said was that you actually start to understand more as well, which I think was an interesting point because I think a lot of people assume pronunciation to be based purely on your output and it doesn't really change your input. But can you talk a little bit about how you, you developing your own pronunciation helps you to identify others as well? Uh, sure. I mean, so it's two sides of the same sort of sound, which is pronunciation and perception. Uh, so once again, you might know a word on paper, but you're not able to recognize it in a fast conversation because there's a skill of being able to recognize it in all the different nuances of you know for example in english we drop a lot of sounds and words so to you you might think of the words i got to do this but then someone's in the street and they're like hey i gotta do this you know <laughs> and it's completely different pronunciation so that's one aspect where like how do you lock in on that secondly uh speech is really fast like human speech is super fast and the only way we can understand each other is if our brains are able to process it uh, super fast and when you go to a new language they have a whole different patterns of sounds so the process of sitting down and like you know slowing that's what we do we slow things down for you and then you you listen to each one try to fix your mouth around it the process of really engaging it in the pronunciation at the same time trains your ear so when you speed it back up again you can hear it without thinking so that's basically the the, the relationship between the two um you know, you, you, you pronounce things based on how you hear them. And like back to Chinese tones, for example, they actually done studies. Uh, a person who has no uh, Chinese background will actually not hear the sounds. They can, they can kind of uh, measure what you're hearing, your auditory cortex. They can measure that and they can see that if you're like an American with no Chinese background, you will not hear the tones. Mm -hmm. And if you can't hear the tones, how can you actually pronounce the tones? You know, so, uh, but if you train it, just like anything else, you can train your ear and then be, you know, just as good as a Chinese person at perceiving it. But then 
the way you train that is with your mouth, right? So the ear and the mouth are there's a there's a direct connection. Right. Yeah, it's super fascinating. And um, what do you? One of the things that I also saw was, or I, I see this actually coming up once in a while is there are some people who advocate a listening period uh, when you start learning a new language where you just basically get as much input as possible on the sounds. Um, and I guess my question in regards to that is what is the role of listening when you're improving your pronunciation? Do you need to immediately stop uh, replicating or mimicking or do you, do you think that listening and really sitting, doing some active listening, trying to make out the sounds before you start actually trying to reproduce them will be uh, beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, I never tried that. I've heard of it and I can see the logic of it being that um, when, when you, once again, when you start off, uh, you're, you, you don't hear the sounds properly and which therefore when you try to pronounce them, um, there's an aspect of you kind of uh, getting in your own way. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I personally don't really advocate it or do it myself because uh I know you can eventually autocorrect, and most importantly, um, I don't like to encourage any kind of behavior that's like waiting because people wait for stuff too much when it comes <laughs> to these kind of things. And uh, yeah, I mean, like if, if you just dive into it, definitely you need to hear. Like, there's def you definitely need to hear more than you speak at the very, especially at the very beginning, because that you know you have to hear first before you know how to actually pronounce it. But uh, if you um, if you uh, if you so when you first start off, if you start pronouncing right at the beginning, which is what I, I I always encourage people to speak from day one and just get in there and start talking. Don't care about at the same time I say care about pronunciation. Don't care about it while you're actually <laughs> talking. Like it's something you practice on when you go home, but in the field, just have fun and focus on communication and conversation. Uh, so yeah, if you do that though, and you keep your ear open and you do enough training, things start to autocorrect. The whole idea of the mimic method is that you're uh, you listen to how the, the other person says it, and then you use you open your ear up to it, and you can see the difference between how you would have said it and how he said it, and then slow and then gradually adjust it until you sound like them. Right, and is that an active process that you have to do to replace? Because I've I've seen a lot of people, or at least heard a lot of people who have lived in. Uh, just this is just an example from Denmark, for instance, but I know it exists everywhere where people, they come to a country and they live there for ages. They hear the language for 30 years and they still have that accent they came with pretty much. Um, it, does that mean that as, as a language learner, we should have an active uh, attitude towards changing our pronunciation or is there something else going on there? Sure. I mean, so and that's, that's kind of the logic behind that, that waiting period thing, which is, uh, when you, the first time you pronounce something, you're gonna pronounce it wrong. Uh, but you're, uh, there's, a, there's also a risk of building a habit. So everything we do is habit. All my speech right now is this habit. And when you're learning a new language, you're trying to learn new habits. Yeah, so if you go to a place for 30 years, uh, you can open up your ear and really try to fine tune it, or you can enforce, reinforce habits you've already had. And, um, and that's what happens to people who've been in a place for a long time and they and they still, they basically have not been able to hear the details and they're forced to have it. Um, and then if they want to improve it, the first step is listening really, really close in detail and active practice with accent training. And then they went, oh, now I hear the difference between how I say it and how they say it. But now, unlike the person who just started the language, they have 30 years of habit that they have to undo. And that's not easy. It's possible, but it's, it's not easy at all. 
And uh, you know, I have older students, and we we hear them. They we we put them in the drill training, and then they'll get it. They get it, and they okay, now I get it, and they they pronounce it right. But then, like two lessons later, they fall back on that same habit. So it's really difficult. Like uh, people don't realize how much habit is involved in speaking. We're just uh, I said the word we're just a billion times in my life, <laughs> and I said it the exact same way because it's a habit, you know. Right, and that that I guess that comes as a warning warning to new language learners is you know do it right from the start. Don't don't uh, ignore it like the bad students in the language class. Don't take it. Uh, yeah, don't sit around and wait for pronunciation skills to magically appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it, there's different various degrees. You know, I, I've seen almost over a thousand people at this point hearing their accents, and uh, there's definitely some people just have a more open ear at the outset, and they can self-correct easier. And there's some people who, who don't get as quickly, but they will with enough training. And those people particularly need to be careful with uh, building up habits, because man, there's nothing more frustrating than un trying to undo a habit. So if you're if you got a fresh palate and you're coming to a new language, just it doesn't take that much. Just take a few weeks to just really listen to the sounds before you jump into everything else. Uh, I mean, you can go out there and speak and stuff, but like I don't know. I personally don't advocate a lot of like hardcore, you know, all that kind of memorization of things. I actually don't advocate uh, premature literacy. Literacy is one of the number one things that gets in the way of people's pronunciation because mm -hmm. now you bring in a new habit and that's a habit of seeing shapes and associating your native language sounds to it and then having to do new sounds. That's a huge issue that, you know, half the pronunciation mistakes I hear are just because people are seeing the word in their head and uh, nothing uh -huh. else. Right. So that's another thing. So, but yeah, if you just really get into the sounds and be patient with letting your ear adjust, then you'll save yourself a lot of frustration down the line. Right. Yeah, and you you totally see that from from people uh, probably not unlike yourself, where they really focus on the pronunciation early, and then they sound almost native, and they do get mistaken for native speakers, which must be one of the biggest compliments you can get as a language learner. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Some of the stuff they something to strive for. Like, and once, even if you're not even if you're not mistaken, people react to you differently when you sound like them. Like. Uh, and they've, once again, they study this as well. Like once we, the same way we relate, you know, people look at somebody that look like them, like, oh yeah, you're kind of like me. It's a similar thing. I can show up to China. I don't like Chinese people at all, but if I, but I, I, at the time I spoke really good Chinese and like my accent was good enough to fool people on the phone, at least not in person, but, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And like people are just, they just, you can see it. They react to you differently than they react to the, the next foreigner who, who is kind of uh, separated by that sound divide. And they can bring, even though you look different, completely different culture, like, oh, you get me. I can tell because you're saying my jokes and you're saying them with the same twang that I have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it does mean a lot because you connect on a much deeper level. It's not just speaking the language. It's also speaking the, the subtleties and the, the emotion, I guess, in a way. It's an emotion. You understand the, the, the deeper level. Um, and I, I hope that more people will take it more seriously because, like I said, when I started uh, about two years ago, I, I just didn't prioritize uh, pronunciation at all. And that made it really hard for Russian because it's a very yeah, <laughs> pronounce, sure. it's very important to, for, in pronunciation. And my, you know, my tutor tried, bless her, but uh, it's, uh, it's hard to unlearn those habits. And now when I learned, uh, starting to learn Hungarian, the first thing I did was, you know, go to that first chapter in the books. That's always like the sounds of the language. And I just sure. listened to them a few times. And, you know, it's not perfect. I, I still have to, uh, I, I've, I've work to do, but at least I've, 
I've come a long way from <laughs> not giving a damn about pronunciation and, and, and coming back. Yeah, to well, you. I'm always shocked. We're making a bunch of uh, kind of free kind of courses right now called the, the Core Sound Series. And it's, it's basically just a resource where you can see these are the every single possible sound you would make in Hungarian. And then you and then we go over each one and how it's made with the mouth. And then the idea is that even if you don't get it right away, uh, it's really useful to know which ones do you already know and which ones do you don't. I'm always shocked at how much people like they don't actually know what the sounds are like. They've been studying for 10 years. They don't know what the actual sounds are because no one talks about phonetics. No one talks about it. And it's like <laughs> these are the building blocks. The example I think of is like a keyboard. Like, you know, there's, there's 40, there's about 43 sounds in English, right? Depending on what accent. And like there's a keyboard with 43 keys and you go there and like you've been missing five keys in your keyboard for like five years and like man just stop take it to the store find out what those five keys are put them in and then start typing you know so uh so that's what uh that's what I, even if you don't get it right away just knowing what sounds are going to trip you up and where they appear is makes you a lot more focused and the, and the actual pronunciation problem gets reduced down to like 10 percent of the size you thought it was Right. And uh, people can obviously find that uh, or those on mimicmethod.com, right? Yeah, mimicmethod.com is our site. Cool. And um, a little quick fire round maybe uh, of um, before we, we have just a few minutes left here. Um, yeah. I was thinking what kind of materials do you like to sort of um, supplement something like mimic method for pronunciation? What kind of language learning materials do you like in general, just uh, in, in short answers? Sure. Uh, so in general, um, as I mentioned before, uh, I very, I, I'm strongly advocate against uh, what I call premature literacy training. Like uh, it's better to become like a basic conversational level and command of the, of the sounds before you start introducing this new medium of text. And uh, but most language programs out there are text based, and that's a that's a big issue why people get get messed up so much. So any language program that's pure audio based, I, I always recommend. I uh, I recently uh, been learning German and I started off doing a uh, Pimsleur, which is just audio. And uh, what I did, which I also recommend to people, is if you're if you're sitting down, you're doing Pimsleur, it might not be as interesting. The conversation, the context are not like the most you know enrapturing. <laughs> right. But if you're uh, what I was doing was I would just take walks, and I, I've also read that like walking and stuff like that actually activates certain things in your brain for you to memorize things better which definitely i definitely felt that but uh it just makes it more interesting and like i would just put in the headphones take walks i like taking walks anyways and then you're just listening to people talking and you're repeating afterwards uh because i think people use script as a as a crutch a lot of people are really uncomfortable with pims at the beginning because they're like i can't really hear what they're saying but if you just it literally just takes a few days to get over the hump and uh, you'll thank yourself later. Um, and then uh, I haven't really tried Michelle Thomas, but he's also a similar um, audio-based thing. So any kind of thing where you do with headphones, and you don't you don't do any kind of visual stimuli except you know the the ocean or the <laughs> forest or the people on the street as you walk. That's right. uh, that's what I like to do. Well, it's funny you say that because apart from Michelle Thomas and Pimsleur, I'm actually not aware of any other kind of let's say comprehensive uh, courses out there that only have audio or at least have an audio that you can follow without the text. Because something like teach yeah. yourself or colloquial, yeah, you can listen to the audio alone, but it's like they don't actually give the translations. 
they just give you the dialogue and the which is I, I mean that's kind of helpful. You have to sure. you have to be really uh, I guess you have to be a detective almost to work out what the words mean. But of course, in terms of pronunciation, it's a good practice. But I mean, try going through a colloquial or teach yourself <laughs> listening only to the foreign dialogue of a language you're just starting to learn. Yeah, exactly. That's too much. I mean, that's yeah, not good. I, I know do it either. I, I, and in the future, I like to make I like to make my own courses of of that. But it's such a huge endeavor. But yeah, it's just it's, it's a shame. It really there should be more like it. It's just uh, my theory is that uh, when you're doing when you're in the business of language learning, you you have to balance between what people need and like what people <laughs> are gonna want and use and pay money for. Right. And if you give people cool images and like letters they can latch onto, then they're gonna be like, oh yes. But you know, people it, people will give up too easy on the other ones. But uh, you're but right. just like anything else, it's hard if you if you if you don't challenge yourself, you won't learn it. So don't don't use crutches. That's funny, and I had another aha moment because I was just thinking if I was using my colloquial and I was listening to the audio, that's good. But I would be looking in the book for the word, which would mean that I would link the sound to the word, and then when I need to recall it, I would not think about the sound first. I would think about the word first. Yeah, no we're problem. very good, terrible pronunciation. Or, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, def it definitely influences it. And like I said, the way I explain it is, if you see the word, the letter T, right? It's, there's nothing intrinsic about the letter T. It's just like a horizontal line and a vertical line, right? And uh, it doesn't mean anything. But since I was like four years old, I've been looking at that symbol and thinking of placing the tip of my tongue against the gum line saying, you know? Right. And like, that. I, and then since I was five, I'm, I'm turning 28 soon. It's 23 years, I think, you know? So I've probably said at least a billion times. And then all of a sudden you learn Portuguese, and then when you have that next to an I, it's not anymore. It's a ch, right? The, oh, okay. Switch tracks after a billion times. <laughs> do a new one, and lo and behold, when you see someone um, trying to say a word in Portuguese, uh, an American or something like that, they're going to say that instead of the ch when they're reading it at the time, because right. even if they already know. So, but if I had heard that sound, I learned Portuguese illiterate, and then I learned how to read afterwards. Uh, in my head, if I had to spell that word, I would have spelled it with a ch because that's how we spell that sound in uh, in English. And then when I see it on paper, I'm like, oh, that's how you spell that. That's a much better experience than knowing how you spell it first and then struggling with the pronunciation. I'm always delighted when I I find out that like a word is actually two words, and I thought it was just one. And like, <laughs> and like I'm, I'm delighted to have like with you know illiterate people problems when I'm learning a language because that means that like I'm really feeling the way it sounds. Right. And uh, but, but yeah, unfortunately, um, there's not that many good resources out there that uh, give a person the opportunity to learn that way. No, I'll I'll just plug one uh, that I've been using lately, and that they, what they do is they offer an audio only uh, sort of uh, method, but it's not a very comprehensive taking you from nothing to something. It's just a kind sure. of I call it a supplement, and that's the innovative languages, the Pod One Ones mm -hmm. and the language class. Because they have tons of audio lessons that you can listen to in standalone. You don't need the script and you don't need any flashcards or anything. Um, sure. So if, if people are interested in an audio-based method, I would call it a supplement because I don't think you actually, yeah, you learn a little bit of grammar, you learn a little bit of vocabulary, and you definitely learn how to pronounce things. But it's not a very comprehensive explaining all the details and you know really starting it out it's i i like the method and and they have a, a crazy crazy offer going 
which I wrote about on the blog, uh, where you can get you can download their entire library for every language, and it's just one dollar per language. So you can get like three thousand audio files for one dollar. Are they going out of business? What, 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 I don't know what to do. But it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's like a thirty-day trial, right? And then yeah, unlimited premium access for for one dollar for thirty days. And if you cancel the oh, membership, okay. it's one dollar. <laughs> it's like yeah. I I guess they hope that people get like it so much that they're like supporting it or something i don't know but uh, i I wrote a guide to that and it's not because it's very complicated but downloading all the files is quite complicated so i I made a little guide on the website actualfluency.com for slash um part 101 offer so you can read that and uh, it will show you it's a little bit uh cumbersome because there's no way to just grab all you have to actually manually click each one but you know 10 minutes of work for probably a year's worth of audio <laughs> or something yeah, like sure. that. Yeah. Like I said, you download it on your iPod and just take nice walks and just load it up. Yeah, I, I, that's that's my way. I, I see all these things as like a kind of jump frog to the point where you can have a basic conversation and then from there that's where you really learn. Right. And uh, But yeah, if you can just walk for an hour and do an hour of those lessons every day and um, that's really uh, super helpful. Yeah, re- repeat out loud as much as possible. Repeat, Even if yeah, yeah, repeating out loud, like don't. Don't be quiet. Do it out loud. Don't be afraid of people judge you in the street. It's just part of life. <laughs> yeah, they were, if it's a foreign language anyway, they might be thinking, oh, he's just on the phone or something. Exactly. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on the show yeah. and talk about uh, the passion of yours, which is pronunciation. And I, uh-huh. I mean, I'm really happy to have learned a lot and had a few aha moments during the, the call. So I hope that the listeners also feel this way. And and uh, best of luck with Mimic Method, and I, I hope to, to see more of you in the future. All right, thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. 